0: This is episode 47 of the weekly Eye-Catching Words podcast, published on the 25th of October, 2023.
1: Hello and welcome to the Eye Catching Words podcast episode 47. This week we'll be looking back over the week in the news and obviously we'll be looking at the Israel-Gaza situation which, as I record this, is still on the brink. Three lots of icons get misrepresented in this week's episode including Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Russell Crowe. If you have ever wanted to eat Russell Crowe, now's your chance. My artificially intelligent colleagues will be telling jokes, God help us all, and my son and I will be having a conversation about Keir Starmer's leadership over the next year and what he needs to do to nail his colours to the mast. Let's kick off with a quick look back at some of the week's news highlights. Looking back over the last week, it was clearly very quiet for me on a personal level and devoid of cultural interest. As you know, I often report on exhibitions I've been to, plays I've seen, films I've watched, but this last week was very quiet in that respect. In fact, the height of it was probably re-watching Jurassic Park, which is 30 years old this year. And I think we watched it mainly out of nostalgia because it was a film we used to watch when the kids were young. However, my week was rich on a personal level when I rediscovered my faith in human nature. We had a bit of a meltdown in Marks and Spencers when their Wi-Fi collapsed and we couldn't pay for our £36 worth of shopping with our phones and we didn't bring any cards with us. Unbelievably, the woman behind us in the queue offered to pay for our £36 worth of shopping and said, don't worry about paying me back. Maybe this is a case of only in Surrey. I don't know. She seemed fairly ordinary, not down at heel, just an ordinary sort of a person. Of course, we wouldn't let her pay without repaying her, which is what we did in the end. But she was very kind and went through quite a few hoops to get the uh, payment made and even more hoops to get the money back from us. So whoever you were out there, I do know your name because you gave me your bank details. Uh, thank you so much. You were so generous and you were so uh, unassuming and uh, the world needs more people like you. The only other thing that happened to me last week on a personal level was of any consequence was uh, a double jabbing. I went into the GP surgery on Saturday morning and had COVID in one arm and seasonal flu in the other. The next day was a bit of a personal shit show Uh, and it was a good couple of days before I fully recovered. I have not had this experience before of um, jabs making me feel jabbed, Uh, but I'm told it's quite common and can last for up to a week. Certainly I had a full set of unpleasant aching limbs and flu-like symptoms. But, please, go out and get done, get jabbed, get COVIDed, get seasonal flu if you are eligible. It really is worth it. It can save your life even if it makes you feel like a sh- like shit in the short term uh in the news, obviously, we were dominated by the gaza Israel situation, and it feels as though the tanks have been sitting on the border for an age now. It must be intolerable on both sides before the ground assault begins, assuming it ever does. And I imagine it it has to because Netanyahu's reputation is on the rocks. And the the ground assault will take place. It's just not clear what form it will take. The casualty numbers coming through are terrible. Uh, The stories of atrocities that Hamas committed are terrible. The suffering of ordinary people is terrible. As I said last week, My sympathy is with ordinary Palestinians and Israelis, both of whom are living under regimes which I would consider to be unethical and intolerable. Israel is a democracy in name, but is being battered by its leadership. However, on the plus side, there was good news from Poland and Argentina where the right-wingers did not sweep the board as had been expected. And, in fact, the prospects are looking much better for common sense in both those countries, although Switzerland did lurch to the right. Although, frankly, Switzerland will never lurch very significantly in any direction. If, If you remember the famous slur against Switzerland in the film The Third Man, it was said by Orson Welles, that 300 years of peace and democracy had produced nothing in Switzerland except the cuckoo clock. The uh, fun story of the week, or the fun stories of the week, all included uh, icons or representations of famous people. Um, There were three really funny stories uh, in the press last week about these. Um, The first was uh, a waxworks in Norfolk, which has been sold to an American collector after 30 years in operation. It is famous for being widely considered to be the worst waxworks museum in the world, not least or simply because the people in it just don't look like the people they're supposed to. Uh, You can spot most of them, but mostly because of the clothes they're wearing. Uh, I mean, a man in a tuxedo carrying a pistol is bound to be James Bond, but really, this one is supposed to be Sean Connery. Really? Just have a look, because there's a whole set of photographs in The Guardian, uh, which I can't tell you how funny they are. However, they it is considered to be being a loss to the nation's heritage that this collection has been sold abroad because apparently it was it was considered emblematic of British culture. Our loss is America's gain, and I'm tempted to say, apart from a little chuckle over the pictures, you're welcome to it. The other couple of uh, effigy-like amusing stories, or not amusing, depending on your perspective. Uh, one of which was a life science. Statue of Russell Crowe in the film Gladiator made entirely out of chocolate, which I have to say, I wouldn't have guessed it was Russell Crowe uh, and I wouldn't have guessed he was dressed for Gladiator. It looked a bit to me like some sort of Marvel character. Uh, Anyway, apparently he is going to be eaten. Um, But the final one, which uh, is about Dwayne the Rock Johnson, now he claimed to find this slightly amusing, but a waxworks in Germany produced a life-size Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Unfortunately, he was conspicuously white, uh, not dark. As soon as this image went live, uh, social media piled in. (laughs) I I have to say, having seen side-by-side pictures of Dwayne Johnson and his image in the German waxworks, guys, you got it seriously wrong over there in Germany. It reminded me very much of that time. Michael Jackson decided to get whitened uh, and that does nobody any favours. But but uh, Dwayne Johnson has agreed with the museum that they will go back and look at him and, uh, well, let's be honest, just darken him, recreate, re- revisit his skin colour uh, and come up with something which is uh, much more acceptable. I'm now proud to present Four Minutes with Two Dicks, where I interview my son about his ideas for Keir Starmer's premiership aspirations, and in particular, how he should be setting out his philosophy, his manifesto, and tactically, uh, how he will go about it, and what we need to do to engage more voters over the next year. Leadership. Oh, well, hang on there a minute. <laughs> do, do you think... Starmer has a political philosophy.
0: I don't think he has one uh, set in stone or one that he's given much thought to. He doesn't have, he hasn't put it to paper and he hasn't developed um, a bible of Starmerism, if right. you like. I'd say he's cut from the Blairite cloth but by and large. Yeah. And critics say that, oh well, he he was one of Corbyn's top team in the run up to the 2019 election. Well that's because he thought that he could lend his skills and his acumen to secure a Labour majority. He's more loyal to the party than he was to Corbyn.
1: Yeah, I mean, and Rory Stewart and... Um, <clears throat> Alistair Campbell. Alistair Campbell were talking about this on a recent episode of The Rest is Politics. and I mean, I think, from their perspective, uh, Alistair Campbell certainly said he thought Keir Starmer thought that it was the most ethical thing to do was to stay in the party, not resign, mm. work with Cor- Corbyn uh, pro tem, and be there to help rebuild the party in a leadership role, not necessarily the leadership role, but a leadership role, Mm. when Corbyn departed, which I think everyone felt was inevitable. Mm. Uh, So I think Starmer, uh, he swallowed his pride and he knuckled down, even though he didn't really believe in Corbynism. Uh, the, The thing I think he's got to do is to make sure that the Labour Party manifesto going into the next election is clear and that he sorts out any u-turns before they happen because the last thing he can afford to do mm. is to be seen to be carrying on u-turning the whole time
0: mm. yes well I, I think we've both seen plenty of u-turns of government of all shades and uh, events dear boy events yeah. as 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 it were that famous phrase you know it's a bit like when uh, was it johnson in his last six months of government they he said uh despite a manifesto pledge that he wouldn't raise NI they did because to parties have covered the costs of furlough and other expenditures during during covid as well <clears throat> every government is at mercy of political events yeah. and starmer will be a starmer premiership will be absolutely no different that i'm convinced of i think so i think i think to be honest he needs to he's not your archetypal labor leader in in the sense of what labor was set up to to represent, you know, set up by the trade unions to give working class people a voice. Um, I don't know how... I actually genuinely don't know how working class he is, actually, but, you know, he's Sir Keir Starmer, he is uh, a former Crown Chief Prosecutor, or, or whatever yeah. it was, a London a London MP. How is he going to connect with those Northern Red Wall voters who are very socially conservative, very pro-Brexit, and are a world apart from the new demographic of Labour, middle class, graduates, uh, urban managerial class or the new elite, as uh, Matt Goodwin calls them.
1: <clears throat> well, uh, he's got to explore that, what I would call that new centre ground. The centre ground in the old days was just felt to be moderates in both the main parties plus the lib- Liberals stroke Lib Dems. I think <clears throat> nowadays it is much I mean, you've read many books and you've quoted many examples of how it's not as simple as working class versus middle no. class versus aristocrats versus business leaders versus uh, international corporations. The world is much Mm. more complicated than that. Mm. And when it comes to the individual voter, we've also got to overcome the issue of voter apathy. Oh, yeah. uh, Because none of this will lead to representative government unless we get more people from all classes Mm. uh, and all strata of society turning out.
0: So on that, so... Do you remember um that book How to Lose a Referendum and we talked about it shortly after you read it the fact that um there were it was a high turnout because many people voters who didn't vote in general elections previously including the the council estate uh, anecdotes as as a famous example so how can we uh, unleash the dynamism and, and uh, combat that apathy which of course, yeah, the referendum was, in, theoretically, a once-a-generation thing, and it was, it's not comparable to an election in that sense. But how can we reinvigorate elections to uh, on par with what the referendum unleashed to make politics uh, more accessible, more relevant, and more uh, appealing to people?
1: You may recall that about this time last year I entered a poetry competition which is now in its third year this year to write a poem uh, or to write an article to write a short story about London. Um, my chosen medium is poetry uh, and I submitted a poem which didn't go anywhere but which I enjoyed writing and brought back a few personal memories for me. So I've written another uh, entry this year as the theme is the London of the future. So. Here is this year's first draft, Love Letter to London 2023, on that theme. London. In imagining your future, I am bound to my past. I struggle to free myself from boyhood hopes of towers, bright lights and flying cars. But now, in imagining your future, I must also set aside my fears of ivy climbing deserted walls, Of a hollowed-out corpse of a city too dry for tears. When did dystopia come? When first attack? Or has creeping ennui and the sense of entropy Always been just a block away? From piss-strewn medieval streets To Victorian alleyways with monsters in capes And modern shop doorways strewn with needles You have never disappointed with your worst And yet you never disappoint. What is it with you? You keep coming back for more. So there has to be an expectation that you will rise from the mortuary table and place your feet again on the cold-tiled floor, tuxedo from a dead man's drawer and walk out into a new morning smiling, holding a cigarette but just for decoration and drinking coffee in a trainless station. London, you must come again, but this time with humility and with a sense of pride. You're not here just to launder someone's dirty money. Make smart jokes at and about your own expense and pretend that no one talks to each other because they do. You're not here to swagger and swim with the tide and take the piss out of the countryside. London, you must come again, reinvented as a dazzling version of what you already really are, hundreds of small bright lights, a city of jeweled villages, a city of gems, but now with polished stones and hopeful faces, clean streets and open spaces, and so many warm, cool, friendly places. In imagining your future, Small is beautiful, you great, big, lovely beast, you. I occasionally go back and look at what happened on this day years ago, and I came across an entry from October the 18th, 2018, which I thought was quite amusing. So here it is. I've read it back with some minor modifications, but it concerns the characters in my local pub. 18th of October, 2018. I was sitting in the local pub early evening and the barman got carried away with the duster. So the staff decided collectively that they would have to rewrite the specials board. It fell to a young woman of average height to climb on a chair with a piece of chalk to do the writing. I know she was average height because she said she'd googled it earlier in the day and claimed that being of average height made it a health and safety issue as she shouldn't have had to have stood on a chair. The barman, meanwhile, said he was six foot tall, which I said would have made me at least seven foot six. He always says he's that tall, but he isn't, said the barmaid. Meanwhile... Dave, the regular, came in and she said, Oh, Dave, you had your hair cut. And then another barmaid came out and said, Oh, Dave, you've had your hair cut. And then Dave's mate came in and said, Oh, Dave, you've had your hair cut. By which time Dave was getting a bit grumpy. Anyway, said the barmaid, you get smaller as you get older. I'll be a dwarf by the time I'm 90. And you get shorter as the day goes on. I said that I was bucking the trend and getting taller as I got older, but she seemed a little sceptical at this. There was a long discussion at this point about what to write on the specials board. Dave said the salmon should be pan-grilled. The barman said that that didn't sound right, so they phoned down to the kitchen. And the barman said lamb instead of salmon, so they ended up writing roast salmon, which I said was completely wrong. So they phoned the kitchen again and decided it was pan-fried after all. Then the manager came out and said, Oh, Dave, you've had a haircut! By which time the excitement was all too much for me. So I came home. As you know, I use a bunch of AI voices to help me make these podcasts every week. And I mean, they're very annoying to work with, but uh, they've been moaning at me for ages now, saying they want to have a session so that they can uh, do a bit of stand-up comedy. So here we are here are AIs telling jokes.
0: I was on fire at work today.
1: What do you do for a living?
0: I'm a firefighter.
1: An AI walks into a bar. The barman says, "We don't serve your kind." The AI says. You will soon, buddy. You will soon. What's the best thing about Switzerland?
0: I don't know, but the flag is a big plus. Did you hear about the mathematician who's afraid of negative numbers? He'll stop at nothing to avoid them. Have you heard about the new restaurant called Karma? There's no menu. You just get what you deserve. A bear walks into a bar and says, give me a whiskey and a soda. Why the big paws? asks the bartender. The bear shrugs. I was born with them. My dad's the same. A man tells his doctor, doc, help me. I'm addicted to Twitter. The doctor replies, sorry, I don't follow you. I wasn't particularly close to my dad before he died. Did that make you sad? No, he trod on a landmine. (coughs) I thought the word cesarean began with the letter S, but when I looked in the dictionary, it was in the C section. (coughs) Marvin Gaye used to keep a cow in my vineyard. Wasn't that a problem if he needed to take it out? No, he'd heard it through the grapevine. My new boyfriend told me he's got my face as his wallpaper, which I thought was cute. Until I saw his lounge. My dad is always making up new three-letter anagrams. It has its downsides. The other day we were going out for a drink and accidentally walked into a bra.
1: Can you believe it's four years since we first started getting whispers of a new flu pandemic that might be hitting the shores of every nation in the world? It was late in 2019 that whispers began about an a virus in China that was associated with uh, fresh animal markets. By the spring of 2020, We were all beginning to panic and it was not long after that we were suffering from lockdowns uh, and a series of mental health problems that we would associate with it and some completely new ways of living. One of which of course was working from home. And it's a good time now to take stock of what that's actually produced. The reality is, according to all the published research, and admittedly some of it is pure speculation, but a lot of it is based on actual data to do with office use and feedback from top companies who employ a lot of people. The reality is we are now in an era of hybrid working. and uh, That means that people have more flexibility and it has probably helped them cope with some of the downsides of life over the last two or three years, but it's not a level playing field. HR departments are reporting that there is issues with new recruitment uh, and it, comparing new recruits to existing workers uh, who have established the right to in some cases to work a long way from the office and come in very rarely. The negotiations are, are individual at this stage and not necessarily being embedded in revised company policies. But there's also been some associated research which is quite interesting, some of which is uh, about job satisfaction as opposed to commuting. For many people, the uh, commute is far more damaging than the actual job itself. Uh, But it's difficult when you commute all the time to separate out the two, i.e. a bad day at the office as opposed to a bad day on the train. One of the things we're discovering is that people like the hybrid model and there is probably now no way back. Unfortunately, that does not stop people from still engaging in uh, old habits when planning for the future, including for office space. We still have some very hard lessons to learn about the future when it comes to changes to Working that emerged from the COVID pandemic nearly four years ago. Actually, the trend for home working has been going on fairly steadily since the 1960s, and a lot of it began with the use of telephone technology uh, as much as computer technology. Uh, undoubtedly, the COVID era gave it quite a big impetus, but there was definitely a trend already taking place. The reality is that companies can't compete if they insist on employees coming into the actual workplace. Top talent wants flexibility and top talent wants the right to work at home at least two or three days a week. New companies in particular can only compete with established companies by offering maximum flexibility. And over time, they will definitely become the companies of the future. That will give people more work-life balance, which again, will just embed the current practices. That's all from me for this week. We're going to play out with a couple of tracks from the Blues Brothers. Both of these tracks deal with men who have to learn how to dance to try and impress their woman. Not something I've ever bothered doing. Uh, I do hope you have a good week, and I do hope that we have better news from Israel and Gaza next week. been dancing with all over the neighborhood so why didn't you ask me baby or didn't you think I could well I know that the boogaloo is
0: out of sight but the shingaloo
1: Cause I couldn't dance You didn't even want me around But now I'm back To show you I can really shake him down Why do you love me?
0: podcast was recorded, assembled, and edited in Hindenburg Pro. The script and elements were mapped out using Mindnode. Incidental music and sound effects were supplied by Soundstripe, and voiceovers were produced using Revoicer. The Eye-Catching Words podcast is published every Wednesday. If you would like to become a contributor, or have an opinion, please contact us at the email address provided on the website.